Hi there! Today's episode is a little different. So a few weeks ago, I got the opportunity to conduct a series of lunch and learns for an amazing group. And it was such a privilege, and I'm so grateful that I had the chance to share this content with them. And, you know, it was pretty good stuff, so I wanted to share it with you as well. Now, at some points, you might hear me refer to a visual of the slide that's in the picture, and that's because the format was where folks could see what I was referring to. But that doesn't really happen too much, and it's easy to imagine what I'm referring to and what I'm talking about. So let's get started. In today's Lunch and Learn episode, we are talking about how to make habits stick. And it can be really tough to get a new habit going, and more importantly, to keep a new habit going. So in this episode, we talk about why it is so hard to keep a new habit going, and four specific steps to implement so that you can hack the habit building process and finally find the formula that helps you to not only start a new habit, but keep doing it over time until it becomes part of who you are. Ready? Let's get to it. Do you ever feel like you know all the diet rules about eat this, but not that, and so you know what to do, but you just have a hard time actually doing it? I'm here to tell you, you are not the problem. Hi, I'm Lizzie. Welcome to the Confident Body Podcast, where we talk about all the mental and emotional parts of weight loss that diets don't tell you. It's time to step past the shame and the guilt from old diets and stop feeling like you're waiting to lose weight in order to fully participate in life. If you're ready to drop the diet mindset and learn what it takes to truly feel happy and confident in your own skin, you're in the right place. Let's get started. So welcome everyone to our first lunch and learn on how to make habits stick. I'm so appreciative that you're here. I'm so excited for this lunch and learn Um, this kind of topic. uh, Just like I really geek out on brain science and habits and so forth. And so let's roll. All right. Part one of our uh, presentation day is first of all, like, why is it so hard to change old habits? And I'm going to explain that by telling you a story about a station wagon and a boat trailer. And it kind of explains how our brains work. So back when I was about 11 years old, um, my family took a family vacation. And we we had, at the time, a really old, delightful station wagon. And we lovingly called it the Dragon Wagon. And so we packed up the station wagon and um, we've got, we were going to go like on a, a boating vacation. So we got the the swimsuits and the sunscreen, the, the life jackets and so forth. And we actually had a boat as well. And so we were trailing the boat behind the car. And so we're ready to go and we hop in the car and we were like not even 10 minutes into the journey. You know, we, we left the house, left the neighborhood and we get onto the highway. And as you might imagine, you know, when you get going pretty fast, uh, you know, you get some momentum going. Uh, but we weren't quite to the place where there was uh, no stoplights yet. So we're on a fast road, but there are stoplights. And so the, the the light turned red in front of us. And so my dad begins to hit the brakes for the, the, the car. But as you can imagine, the boat weighs a lot more than the car. It, it's going really fast already. And it's got a lot of momentum. And so dad hits the brakes, but we keep going. And the, the we're, we're kind of we're still heading towards the car in front of us that stopped at this red light, and we're like, oh no! And smoke starts coming. Out. Okay, I may be exaggerating a little bit, but smoke starts coming out 
from the wheels and, you know, tires are screeching and miraculously we stop just before the car in front of us. But I tell this story because the car and the boat are kind of an analogy of what's going on in our brains. The car is like our conscious mind. It's, it kind of is what's steering things, but it's, it's relatively small compared to the big, heavy weight of our subconscious mind of the boat. And so that's kind of what's happening in our brains is the little part of the brain is where we decide to, you know, where, where we're going to go. I'm going to go on a diet or I'm going to exercise every day. Whereas the subconscious mind is the kind of bigger part of where momentum is going. And when our habits are going in one direction, momentum is going to keep us going in that same direction. And it's got kind of the, the brawn behind it, if you will. So in this little diagram here, you got a diagram of the brain, the conscious mind over there on the right is our prefrontal cortex, the, the part of our brains that make us human, which is the, you know, very wonderful. It's where we can think and plan and think about the future and have goals of like, I want to be healthier. Um, as you can see from the volume of the brain, the rest of the subconscious mind, and this is, you know, a, a relatively, um, you know, blunt diagram. Um, so it's, it's, the brain is much more complex than this, but for, for, you know, illustration purposes, on the left-hand side, the part of the brain that is um, focuses on habits and keeping things routine is kind of a much larger part of the brain. Um, so the part of our brain that is sort of steering where we wanna go is the part that says like, I'm gonna go on a diet or I'm gonna work out or I'm gonna meditate every day. And just like the car in the analogy, it, it may be steering things, but it doesn't have the momentum. It doesn't have the weight behind things. Whereas if you think about the subconscious mind, the subconscious mind was the part of the brain that was developed, you know, in caveman days. If you think back on caveman days, the, the main goal was to survive. And so that part of the brain, first of all, is always on the lookout for something that is dangerous because danger, you know, is mean like that's bad. Let's not do that. And if you think about back in caveman days, anything that was a change represented danger. So like, there's a rustle in the grass that wasn't there yesterday. Maybe that's a tiger. These berries look different. Well, you know, could that mean that it's going to be something new or maybe we're going to keel over and die? Um, the weather is changing. Any, any kind of change to the subconscious mind equals a threat. And so a diet or a change in habit is a threat to the subconscious mind. And as we've got in this analogy here, the, the, the momentum is where you know your your brain wants things to go is i want to i want to stay alive i don't want things to change i want to keep things the same so all that to explain it's not your fault it's really hard to change habits our brains are wired to keep things the same and at the same time like i said you know because of our prefrontal cortex the beauty of being human is that we can think about the future we can make plans and we can uh you know, orchestrate things uh, to our advantage. So there are ways to simplify habit change. And we're going to talk about four specific ways today. We're going to make it easier to start, make it easier to succeed, make it easier to keep going, and then make it easier to feel good. And all of these ideas are working with the natural way that your brain is wired. Just as we've talked about, 
Your brain is wired to avoid change. The subconscious mind says change equals danger. So we're going to make change a lot smaller. We're going to make it less threatening to the subconscious mind. And I, I once heard a quote that I love that like training your brain is a lot like training a puppy. You have to have consistency and lots of positive rewards. So you've got to teach your brain to feel good doing the thing that you want to do that's new. Um, so let's let's go through our four steps. First of all, before we get into those four steps, you got to think about how does change happen? So in <laughs> about a million years ago, I was a middle school science teacher. And um, one of the subjects I taught was chemistry. And there's um, in a chemical experiment, there's activation energy for like sodium and chloride to come together and become salt. There has to be um, an energy that uh, is used up for them to become something new. And whether we're talking about a chemical reaction or changing our habits, there it always requires energy. And so that that phrase that term is called activation energy. It's the energy required to make change happen. So a, an analogy I like to think of when it comes to activation energy is like rolling a boulder up a hill. So if you think about, I, I want to roll this ball up a hill, it's going to take some energy to get it up the hill. But once I get it to a certain peak, then it'll begin to roll down on its own and it'll become something new. So our activation energy for creating a new habit is like rolling a boulder up the hill. And we're going to adjust the various parts of the boulder and the hill and so forth. But if we're thinking about changing a habit, um, a lot of times we're like, okay, it's January 1st. I'm going to get healthy. That means I'm going to work out every day of the week and I'm only going to eat salads and I'm going to drink water every day and I'm going to quit drinking alcohol. And, you know, you know, we change all these things all at once. And when we do that, when we create a whole bunch of change all at once, that creates a whole lot of activation energy, it makes it really hard to roll that boulder up a hill. And so therefore we often find ourselves, uh, you know, by February 1st, you know, we, maybe we've fallen off the habit. Um, it's, we're feeling bad about ourselves or it's just, it's hard to keep it going. So the way to simplify habit change is to adjust this boulder and this hill to, again, kind of fix uh, the situation so that your, your brain is working uh, for you rather than against you. So step one and simplifying habit change is make it easier to start. So we're going to make a smaller boulder. We're going to, instead of pushing a big rock up a hill, we're going to push a little rock up a hill. So the idea here is make success really small lower the bar of success. So instead of saying, you know, I'm going to work out for 30 minutes a day. So like, I'm going to work out for five minutes a day, or I'm going to work out for five minutes, um, twice a week. What you want to do is try and make success really easy, make it easy to be successful. And so when I say it's easier to start, make it so simple that like, if I, if I want to work out for 30 minutes, like that's hard to get started. If I want to work out for five minutes, I'm like, well, I mean, I think I could probably find time to do that. And so it's easier to get started by making it smaller. Ask yourself, what's the smallest thing I can do to feel good today? So you make that rock smaller by making success really small, making it easy. For example, um, when I was working on writing my book, 
um, I'll be totally honest. I was terrified. I was like, this is, this is the hardest thing ever. I hate writing books. Eh. And so because my subconscious mind was like, I hate change. This is a bad idea. Let's not do it. Let's give up. I was like, okay, let's make it a lot easier to start by making the goal really small. So I made myself a goal to write for 15 minutes a day before I went to work every morning. And that was it. That was the win. I could write one sentence. I could write 20 sentences. If I just wrote for 15 minutes a day, that was the win. So when you're, you can use this for any kind of habit, whether it's exercise, writing, meditating, whatever it is, make success smaller. So make it easier to start. Step number two, make it easier to succeed. So we've got a smaller rock. Now we're going to make the hill lower. And the way you do that is by making success binary. It's like a light switch. It's either on or it's off. So a lot of us, um, we kind of fall into perfectionism. I I remember Brene Brown said that you're not either a perfectionist or you're not. It's more like perfectionism is a spectrum and we're all somewhere on the the spectrum. And so I can say, I'm going to go work out today and I can work out for 37 minutes. But if I didn't work out for the 45, I can feel like a failure. And like, that's, that's not making it easier to succeed. You make it easier to succeed by saying, again, like the light switch. Yes, I did it or no, I didn't. So did I work out at all? Yes or no. Did I get on my running shoes? Yes or no. Did I meditate for one minute? Yes or no. Make it easier to succeed by instead of giving yourself a grade on like, that was a good meditation session versus a bad meditation. You'd be like, no, no. Did I do it? Yes or no. Give yourself the best chance of success because a little known secret is it is not necessarily achieving the goal that makes us motivated. It is the feeling that we're making progress is what actually fuels that engine of motivation. So when you're feeling demotivated, it's because you're not feeling like you're making progress. So give yourself the best chance possible to feel like you're making progress by making success really easy. Okay. Step three, make it easier to keep going. All right, so in this diagram, our boulder is the same size as it was in the beginning, and our hill is the same size as it was in the beginning. But as you can see, the person is tiny. The reason why is because when we make a whole lot of decisions, that uses up willpower. Uh, You know, when am I going to work out today? What workout am I going to do today? Um, What am I going to have for lunch today? All of these are decisions. And everything, every time that you make a decision, you're basically fatiguing your brain. I like to think of willpower as like a gas tank. And so hypothetically, if you uh, slept well, then you you wake up with a relatively full gas tank of willpower. But pretty much as soon as you wake up, your willpower tank is beginning to, to get depleted. Whether, you know, with every decision you make, with every little stress, with, um, you know, every unexpected thing, just the normal things of life. And so by the end of the day, with each decision you've made, with each stress that's gone on, your willpower tank is lower and lower and lower. And so it's harder to keep going when you have a depleted willpower tank. So make it easier to keep going by making fewer decisions. Enjoy the freedom of, of fewer decisions. So decisions make it harder to push that rock up the hill. And so don't, don't make it harder for yourself by giving yourself all these choices, make it easy by having fewer choices. 
um, because all these choices will end up draining your willpower. So here are some examples. Go ahead and determine ahead of time, what workout are you gonna do? Don't worry, don't wait until the morning that you're gonna work out to decide what you're gonna do. Plan for when you're gonna work out instead of like, well, I'll fit it in sometime. Plan ahead so you don't have to decide the day of. Same thing with snacks or, or meals. Pre-decide ahead of time so that it's easy and you don't have to decide in the moment when your willpower is lower. One of the most helpful tools for making habits easier is just plan ahead what you're going to eat. Or um, this third bullet here in terms of pre-portioning out healthy snacks, that's another thing. Like Snacks these days are are built for ease and it's the unhealthy ones that are super easy because all you got to do is just open up a bag and they're there. Healthy snacks are really hard because you have to wash them, you have to cut them and so forth. And so if you're going to have any chance to uh, to reach for the healthier snack first, you've got to make it as easy as possible by pre-portioning it out. And so you don't have to decide, do I want to take time to wash this out and cut it up? Or do I want to have you know the crackers out of the bag? Don't make yourself decide. Okay. So step three is make it easier to keep going with fewer decisions. And finally, step four, make it easier to feel good. Remember, kind of like the idea of your brain is a little bit like a puppy that you've got to give your brain rewards. So if you're looking to um, change a habit, you can't take away the kind of natural reward of the old habit and make yourself do something hard and expect your brain to be fine with it. It's like, think about giving a five-year-old, imagine you gave a five-year-old a lollipop at five o'clock every day. And then suddenly you're like, nope, no lollipop today. The five-year-old is going to throw a fit and your brain is the same way. So you've got to give it a reason to feel good. So you, you want to give your brain a reward for doing the thing that you are trying to establish. You've got to teach your brain that it likes doing this new habit because it's really hard to keep doing something over and over again when you don't like it. So how to create a reward for yourself? Complete this sentence. After I, whatever it is that you're trying to do, then I will get a small reward. So for example, after I meditate for three minutes, then I'll get to have my cup of coffee in the morning. Or after I go for a walk or a run or something, then I get to check Instagram or you know, some, some kind of mental reward. Whatever it is, it's, it's surprisingly helpful and important to attach a kind of a bonus reward so that your brain can remember, oh, this is fun. This is something that I like. Um, and that way it can help you to continue to do the habit. Um, going back to the example of when I was writing my book, uh, I made the goal smaller by just 15 minutes, um, by writing just 15 minutes a day. And then my reward, sorry, English, then my reward was um, after I wrote for 15 minutes, then I got to have a Diet Coke which I totally admit is not the healthiest habit, but hey, we've all got our vices. So I looked forward to it because I could, once I finished my kind of hard thing, then I could go have something that, that made me feel good. And it took a couple of months, but after a while, I didn't necessarily need that reward because it became rewarding on its own. But you need some time to teach your brain to, um, to remember that it likes doing this new thing. So quick summary. Four steps to simplify habit change, make it easier to start, make it easier to succeed, make it easier to keep going, and make it easier to feel good. So there you have it. Habit change is hard. 
The gurus say it takes anywhere from 21 days to 90 days or whatever. The problem is they don't tell you how to make it easier to keep doing the habit long enough to reach those 21 or 90 days. And so you end up falling off and feeling like a failure. Instead, give yourself the gift of consistency by making it one, easier to start, two, easier to succeed, three, easier to keep going, and four, easier to feel good. Okay, your one confident body action step that I want you to think about for today is, ready? Make it easier to start. What are you trying to do? Eat better? Exercise more? How can you make it easier? So let's take make an example. Let's say you're trying to eat better. So maybe you could have a slightly smaller portion of dessert, or you could replace rice with cauliflower rice just once this week. Or perhaps instead of two slices of bread on your sandwich, take one slice of bread and cut it in half, and then add a piece of lettuce to that sandwich, and you've reduced your starchy carbs in half, and you've increased your fiber for the meal. That's, those are just simple, easy ways to make it easier to start. Let's say you're trying to exercise more. Make it smaller. Make the win super easy. What is something you can do in five minutes and still feel good about yourself for? Maybe walk to the mailbox and back, or stand up and sit down from a chair 10 times in a row. Make it so easy that you have no excuse not to do it. And there's an entire chapter of my book dedicated to changing your habits. So if you've ever tried to change a habit and had a hard time making it stick, please check out my book titled You Are a Miracle, available on Amazon. And if you found anything useful in this episode, I would love it if you would write a review. It would be so helpful. That helps me know that you're listening, that this is useful to you, and it might actually help somebody else find the podcast and help them feel great too. And speaking of feeling great, remember, love yourself because that one thing can make all the other things so much easier. All right, that's what I've got for you this week. See you next time. Thank you so much for listening today. Seriously, I know it's not a small thing and I genuinely appreciate it and I hope it helped you. Make sure you head on over to confidentbody.coach slash tips and sign up for my seven top tips for little shifts that create big results so that you can start feeling confident in your body right now. I will see you next week. And until then, remember, you are a miracle.